Welcome to today's More Tea Vicar podcast for James Stevenson and Wayne Massey from BNA Church in Bristol. Today we are thinking about freedom. In lockdown, our freedoms were restricted, have been restricted, and still are for many of us. And today on the news, we've seen stories of what's happening in Hong Kong, where the Chinese government are restricting freedoms of the residents of Hong Kong. It's a microcosm of the world's understanding of what freedom is. And today we're going to explore that. Wayne is willing to riff around this subject for the next few minutes. And then we're going to explain what that means for us as Christians and how we think about freedom. Wayne, could you just summarise for those who have no idea what's going on in Hong Kong, what's going on in Hong Kong right now? Excellent. Can I, I, I just want to say, just in terms of me riffing, thank you very much, that um, the person who is riffing went into their um, theology ethics paper when they were an undergrad, and you had to answer three questions in, I uh, can't remember, James, was it three questions in three hours or something like that? Uh, and I decided it was my last paper in a week of eight, and I decided I was so bored that I would try and pick three questions and all run them into one mega answer. And my tutor, when he heard about this, said, you've either got a first or a third for that. I got a third. Um, so <laughs> so that, I just want to you know, give you all confidence. Yeah. Um, so uh, Hong Kong, 1997, uh, up until 97, 97 was under British control and was handed back to China uh, under agreement in 97. I think it was Chris Patton was the governor of Hong Kong, the former Tory um, minister. And that um, set up a system which was to last for at least 50 years of kind of one nation but two systems. So um, uh, this understanding that Hong Kong is part of the People's Republic of China, but in in a kind of its own unique way with its own kind of government, its own systems, and um, and is treated in terms of finance and um, markets differently. So um, America will treat Hong Hong Kong differently in terms of tariffs and all that kind of thing uh, than it treats the rest of China and that was to last um, for 50 years. Over various times since then there's been moments when the Chinese have sought to assert control and power over Hong Kong uh, and over its government and its people and um, and this season is one where there's been a big ramping up of that. On the back of last year a lot of um, uh, sort of a lot of democracy uh, movement and protests mainly led by students and so there's been a kind of a a big uptick in China seeking to control Hong Kong in the last few weeks and um, there's been changes made to Hong Kong law and so yes I think it was yesterday the first person was arrested for standing in the side of a street with a flag that just said independence for Hong Kong so it's now it's now illegal to um to, to to publicly say you know and to demonstrate that you would like hong kong to be free so there's a massive change so hong kong if you live in hong kong i'm not from hong kong never been to hong kong but my understanding is that it's quite western in all sorts of ways around freedom and liberty and that is being constrained and lent upon quite heavily so, so in in one city there are two uh, dominant ideologies of the world clashing together so yeah. we have uh, essentially western capitalism and uh, communism uh, coming together uh, seeking to to fight um, over the people of this city and I, I it struck me there were three words that jumped out that kind of i think uh, are really interesting when you think about this as news and when you think about us and how we respond to it um, those three words were identity freedom and power so so this is a clash of an understanding of why where identity is rooted so so in classic western liberalism our identity is rooted in in the self and in the individual 
and our understanding of freedom then is that the is that the individual is free to make choices uh, within the constraints of a kind of um, uh, you know a social contract and in harm of others. But actually, individuals are free, um, and freedom is the freedom to kind of do what I like. Um, whereas, actually, in a kind of so, uh, socialist or a communist understanding, freedom is something that uh, is we are free from the constraints of that of the market and of those kind of pressures and forces uh, and uh, and our freedom looks very different as people and it's bound up in a collective so there's this uh, so our identity and our freedoms are bound up either in the individual or the collective and so that's one of that's a kind of i suppose a kind of political systems philosophical clash that's going on and then the other one is that uh, this is about power who who can assert power over the other and and make somebody do what they want to do and and actually what china doing are the Ch china is asserting power over hong kong but it's such a time that the west is weak and unable to exert its power back on china uh, or what power it has because actually china has a lot of power over the west these yes, because we we like to believe that we're free in the West, because that's the story that we tell ourselves. But then we realise that actually um, HS2 and our universities and um, our telephone networks are um, reliant upon our relationship with China. And so we um, have to be cautious about how we behave at the negotiating table. And, and, and we, as, as Westerns, Westerners, as individuals, can fall into a trap of believing that um, that's just the government that's enslaved. It's not us. Um, and we, because Western um, thinking now is actually, it's a, it's an, um, as Mark Sayers says, it's a, an image-based um, economy. And no longer an industrial economy, it's an image-based economy. We can think too much about the images that we see rather than the image of ourselves. I remember when I was recorded, um, when I was singing uh, about 20 years ago, and I listened back to a recording of me singing, and um, I could not get over how differently I sounded um, uh, on the recording to how I sounded live. And somebody once said to me, well, the resonances in your head mean that you are unable to hear how you truly sound unless you are recorded. Um, and, and I think that speaks into the way that we behave as Westerners, that we have this self-perception that actually dangerously can become detached from reality and how others see us. So we perceive ourselves to be free, but actually there's plenty of people in a different ideology who see that we are equally enslaved. So, 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 so let's so go back to those words again. So identity. So, num so if we're thinking about this and we're filtering this as a, this is a, this is a Christian podcast. So the first thing is that, that actually there is another identity that exists outside of the individual or outside of the collective. Uh, and that is an identity in Christ, which interestingly enough brings both together. So, um, so in Christ, we are being reconciled into a new humanity, the collective, but actually in Christ, um, Paul, you know, the dead will be raised. Um, Paul says, and actually there is our individuality remains. And so, and, and that's God, that's, that's the theology of the Trinity, one God, three persons, that actually only in Jesus do we find an identity in which um, your Jane's-ness and my Wayne-ness is affirmed, but also actually are, are, we are brought together in Christ. So the theologian Robert Jensen talks about um, the picture of Revelation, the end of Revelation, he calls it a fugue, picking up on um, musical terminology. I'm not a, I'm not a musical expert, but that's a piece that that's a, a one piece where um, 
individual musicians riff and build around one another and something a, a singular piece is created by a group of individuals working together and he talks about eternity being like a fugue and it's quite a beautiful picture and so that's the first thing to say about our identity it is that it's both individual and collective but it's in christ first and it's only in christ that we can find that the second one is freedom uh, freedom uh, is the freedom to be a slave to Christ as opposed to a slave to something else. So the lie of the West is that uh, is that we are free to do what we like. Um, our daughter Charlotte probably won't mind me saying this, but one of the first things she did after the shops came back was she um, she went to buy a pair of jeans so that when there's non-uniform day in her school, she can dress like her friends. Uh, and she kind of said it with a twinkle in her eye knowing that that's kind of you know but we all know this we're you know we're not free we're slaves to fashion um and and actually there's a there's a different and many other things and many other things there's a different form of there's a different form of constraint in the west um placed upon us um so identity freedom so identity is found in jesus freedom is the, the is the freedom to choose jesus and to serve him and then power, interestingly enough, is the world exerts power as a way over people to make you do what I want to do. So the major problem that the British government have is that they don't have any power anymore. Uh, and lots of writers are talking about the problem that the government in London has is if, is if it kicks off between China and the United States, as you have a government in London that is basically subservient to both Washington and Beijing. Because you, we need Washington on side. Um, um, but also we need to buy everything that we buy from China and let them build all our stuff. And so we can't afford to annoy either party. Uh, and so we're kind of like, interesting enough, we're kind of like um, small children in a dysfunctional marriage in that situation where we don't know who to side with. And it's because we have no real power. And what's interesting is the only thing that we have had power over is there's a bunch of people in Hong Kong who we can give British passports to. And so we've done that. And I think that's a wonderful thing. But let's also not pretend it's not self-interested because these are very bright, very capable, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial people who would, own, who would benefit our economy if we brought them here. Um, I wonder if we'd do the same if this was, you know, an island off Africa. Indeed. And we persuade ourselves that we, in giving them passports, are giving them a route to freedom. Yeah. Which, again, if, if our freedom is not rooted in Christ, is a false freedom. We are inviting them into another form of slavery the bible is very clear that we um become daughters and sons of the king when we believe in jesus christ and receive the spirit that is the deposit that guarantees our salvation but outside of that we are slaves to sin and the ideologies of which we've been speaking are sinful they are broken they're fallen they are um uh, babel-esque attempts at narratives that do not include god and we outside of christ we become slaves to those narratives so moving my riff on i've i've got another word well, there are two words but i got this thing actually so what we need to do is to stand up so actually when you see something like happening in hong kong you do need you need to stand up uh, and I've, I've thought about here like why would i stand up how would i stand up but then also what's the cost of standing up uh, so why would I stand up is that actually um, Jesus is on the side of those who are suffering injustice and uh, and those who are being persecuted and 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 no and no system is perfect. So in the same way that actually Christians should stand up uh, around Black Lives Matter, we should be standing up big time around Hong Kong because this is also this is also a terrible injustice and people are being treated badly. 
and um and actually there is an agreement you know an agreement should be honored um and so so actually we need to stand up where where there is injustice um and and we need to speak out for um truth of um of what you've just been talking about that actually are you know that that systems are broken and systems damage people uh, and we need to speak out where we see that happening in systems where systems are have bits of the image of god in them we need to call that out too but we need to stand up why should we stand up because actually god is on the heart of the broken and those who are suffering injustice how to stand up i would suggest humbly um so there's an interesting thing where um speaking as somebody who's kind of um i was going to say i'm I'm not mixed race as we understand mixed race i'm mixed race and i'm half irish half english but actually I, i can understand why if you're china you want hong kong to be fully part of china because there's something mm. about having a bit of you that was once taken away. Mm. Um, and so, and that's not to say there's rights or wrongs, but actually we need to, when we, when, when, when we stand up, we need to stand up with humility. So actually um, there's an understanding of, uh, of where somebody else might be coming from. And then also need to stand up in terms of um, sacrificially. Um, you know, so Paul talks about uh, how the power of the cross is is weakness and foolishness. It's not strength and might. And how do we stand up that kind of way? So we stand up, you know, in the way that God stands up. Um, and then I think the cost of standing up, and this is the thing I think the church in the West really suffers from, is that the cost of standing up for truth and justice is um, persecution and sacrifice. So actually, as a nation, if we were to stand up to China and America, we would lose an awful lot. Um, we, would, we, we need to su- su- humbly suggest we would gain more in Christ. But actually, am I willing to stand up for the cost of my, rep- the cost of my reputation? I think it's why the church doesn't speak out enough on issues of human sexuality or abortion or stuff like that, because actually we, we want to. Somebody described um, something happening in the States that said uh, culture at the moment is leaning at a 45 degree angle towards this level of injustice. And it's brilliant. And I noticed all church leaders were able to lean with the wind very well and then listed a whole load of areas where I wish they could lean against the wind sometimes. And that's the cost, actually, that as a church, when culture speaks out about something we agree with, we're very quick to join in. But actually, when culture um, doesn't, um, we're very quick not to join in. So the Republic of Ireland passed an abortion law in the last few years. And in the first year, um, 6,600 women had an abortion. And there was a whole load of like, oh, no, we didn't think it would be so many. And a whole load of people like, well, we told you that would be the case. Like, oh, how come it's been so many? And actually, that's where the church got really speak up and said, actually, this is what happens. Um, So So there's a cost to that. If we are going to speak up, uh, um, the first step we need to take um, is to follow the footsteps of Carbart, who advocated having our Bibles and our newspapers open. Now, that's a, a phrase from a different era. Um, but what that means is, is that, yes, following the responses that Wayne has advocated, but it starts with us being able to open up our news apps or going on the web or whatever it is that we do. And, and we're reading those stories through the story of the Bible. And, and we are detaching ourselves from the narratives in which we have been swimming um, uh, since we were first breathing um, in this planet and those those narratives will have been affecting the way that we think so the read the bible read the news detach yourself from um, the narratives of the, the culture in which you live 
and come to um, these new stories, understanding what what the big story of the Bible is telling us. And then I think the big thing is when when we do do all this, we need to love the other. So um, I've got a, a DVD from years ago of a um, uh, an American pastor called Douglas Wilson and Christopher Hitchens, the kind of the atheist um, libertarian writer who died a few years ago cancer did a tour in the states where they basically debated each other on atheism versus faith uh, and this video just follows them around and uh, and what happened at the end of it nobody knows where hitchens ended up on faith when he died but what they do know is that he and wilson became friends and wilson is kind of a, a fairly right-wing sort of southern american pastor you know uh, so anything but hitchens but what hitchens couldn't quite get over was this guy who would um seriously debate him wanted them wanted to have dinner with him wanted to invite him home wanted to hang out with him and wanted to love him and yeah. that's and that 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 had a massive impact upon hitchens and too many of us when we share what we think or when we speak up speak up in such a way that we we want to steamroller the other person and debate is about presenting argument and narrative in a clear way but it can be done loving and graciously and that's that's how we do this um, because that that was the way of jesus so thank you for listening to this week's episode of More Tea Vicar. We hope that it has helped you to understand what it might mean to follow Jesus in the context of today's political debates. We encourage you to be reading your Bible, reading the news, and seeking to understand what it means for us to be a part of the kingdom of God and not part um, uh, as primary identity as citizens of another kingdom. Thanks for listening.